Welcome to the Giants Huddle. Get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle, get him in the huddle. A New York Giants podcast. I'm John Schmelkin. Welcome to the most recent episode of the Giants Huddle podcast. I want to remind you that the Giants Huddle podcast can be found on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, but also on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find us, subscribe, make us part of your feed. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a positive review. This week's guest is the voice of, let's say we got the Rangers we have Knicks on TV sometimes. We have Major League Baseball on Fox. We have NFL on Fox. Did I miss anything, Kenny Albert? Uh, some boxing on Fox as well. That, that's a new addition over the last year or so. How do you manage this? I mean, I w- we were texting back and forth the other day. You were with the Knicks in Detroit on Wednesday night. Thursday night, you have the Rangers and the Hurricanes, and then you come back on Sunday for Giants and Jets. What? How do you handle it that week and make sure you're prepared for all the games the way you have to be? Well, this is the craziest time of year in October. I was involved in the baseball playoffs, as you mentioned, in the first round with uh, Houston and Tampa Bay. Rangers got underway. I had a, a Knicks preseason game in the middle of October. Football on the weekends um, this month. Football, hockey, some basketball a boxing match later in the month. So these are actually the most fun parts of the year for me, uh, along with April and May during the hockey playoffs when I'm involved uh, with both MSG if the Rangers are in, NBC through the conference final, and then Westwood won during the Stanley Cup final. (laughs) I actually find, John, that the busier I am, the more games I am uh, during a particular stretch, the more organized I am and get more work done for some reason. I don't know if it's all the time you spend on planes and hotel rooms. Um, I'll give you an example. I was up at 5 a.m. this morning in Detroit uh, to get to an a.m. flight uh, to make it to Raleigh for the Rangers tonight. and uh, Not much sleep last night, obviously, but uh, I think before 8 in the morning, I read today's Post Daily News, uh, the Rangers Daily Clips, and the clips on the Jets-Giants game as well. So, um when you've got that quiet time at a car heading to the airport, um, on the plane, uh, and here in the hotel, I wind up getting more done than, than if I were at home and there's a million things going on. Yeah, and unfortunately this year you haven't seen the Rangers and Knicks win a lot of games, but you're going to see a New York football team win on Sunday. We know that for sure. Uh, you've had a lot of exposure to the Giants this year, Kenny. You've seen them a couple times in the last few weeks. Uh, what's, what's been your impression in terms of where they are and kind of where you're he- where they're heading from a big-picture perspective? Well, this, this will be my fourth game. Uh, I'm fourth out of the first ten played by the Giants this year. and I'll, I'll give you an unusual uh, little nugget my fourth different color analyst on, on four Giants games. Um, although there's an asterisk because I'm with Rondé Barber, my usual partner this week. I had Rondé and Tiki for the game, so if you kind of count that as a, a separate entity, uh, then just Rondé by himself. And then Greg Olson uh, for the game at MetLife Stadium against Arizona. Charles Davis Detroit two weeks ago. So uh, Rondé alone this week. But... Uh, no, the Tampa Bay game was, was a lot of fun. Obviously, it came right down to the wire, and that game missed the field goal. But uh, to be involved in, in Daniel Jones' first start, um, you know, it brought back memories of working games during Eli's rookie year back in 2004, um, and then a number of games in 2007 leading up to the, the playoff run and the Super Bowl run. And I had the game in 2011 against the Jets, actually, the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown. So um, working Daniel Jones' first start, Getting to sit down with him, and um, as you know, because you've spent a lot more time around him than I have, it, it, it's 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 eerie the similarity 
um, the, the, you know, the voice inflection, the mannerisms, uh, when you think back to a young Eli yep. at the time, uh, when you're talking to Daniel Jones, um, had the Arizona and Detroit games certainly both winnable, um, losing to Arizona by six and Detroit by five, fell behind early in Detroit, but unfortunately for the Giants, they came out on the losing end of both of those, uh, watched the Dallas game on Monday night and, uh, look forward to the game this Sunday with the Jets. Have you had a chance to, to sit down one-on-one with Jones much uh, on the days you're here at the practice facility? Because, you know, when Dave Gettleman drafted him, he talked about how from the neck up he was really built for New York. And much like Eli, you mentioned it, he just seems very unflappable, very matter-of-fact, and just very low-key and a go-about-your-business type of individual. Yeah, he certainly is. And we've sat down with him uh, twice. Uh, in Tampa before the first start, um, also prior to the Arizona game. We spoke to him on the phone on a conference call uh, before the game in Detroit. But, um, you know, like you said, unflappable. Um, just so many similarities to Eli uh, when, when you're in the room with him. You know, he, he kind of uh, the same look and the same sound and, and the inflections and the mannerisms. And um, obviously they spent some time together at, at the Manning Passing Academy a couple of years ago. What I, what I found fascinating, uh, a little note that we learned during our sit-down in Tampa, I asked Daniel Jones, uh, or no, I think I actually asked Pat Shermer about uh, his son Kyle, and I said, were they in any camps together, Kyle Shermer and Daniel Jones? And, and Pat actually told us they were roommates at the Manning camp a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. How ironic is that? He's at the camp, which is run by the guy that he winds up replacing and his family and his roommate is the son of his future head coach. That is wild. I don't think we knew that, or if we did, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. That is interesting. In terms of his, Yeah, I had never heard it before, and then we, we mentioned it during the Tampa game. Uh, you were obviously at the game, so you wouldn't have seen the broadcast, but uh, just an interesting little note that we learned during the, the, that first meeting in Tampa with Daniel Jones. When you watch him and you talk to some of your analysts who are obviously breaking down you know, more of the tape, to me... He's shown all the necessary tools to become a very good quarterback, but much like rookies, when they get thrown into the fire and in rookie year, it's never easy. I think we've just seen a, a lot of rookie mistakes that you'll see from any guy that's not very experienced in the NFL, but they are mostly things that can be corrected with experience and time. Do you agree? Absolutely. I think you know we've seen a lot of good moments. Um, we, we've seen him use his legs, uh, in particular in that Tampa game, um, in the uh, – Arizona game and Detroit game that I worked, uh, a number of touchdown passes. In Detroit, he had the early turnover, the, the backward pass, which led to the Canard touchdown. And, and turnovers are really the key when you look at it um, with both Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, I'm sure that'll be a big topic of discussion this Sunday. Um, and, and I know it's been a, a major topic of discussion over the last month or so uh, with regard to Daniel Jones. And we talked to Pat Shermer about it, and we talked to Daniel about it, and um, they, he just can't turn over the football as much as he has been, and um, you know they're not all his fault certainly. But uh, you sit down with any NFL head coach, and we had Pete Carroll last week, and he threw the stat out there: if you're a, a plus in the turnover ratio, you win about seventy-eight percent of your games, and uh, that's huge. So turnovers for many young quarterbacks have been an issue, and. Uh, been the case with Jones and Darnold this season for sure. Kenny, when I ask you about Saquon Barkley, 
Obviously, he came back from that high ankle sprain rather quickly. He hasn't been as productive over the past few weeks. He had the big screen pass um, against the Cowboys, but otherwise did not get a lot going in that game or in prior weeks. What do you see when you watch Saquon Barkley recently? You know, we, we actually discussed that amongst our crew yesterday. We have we have texted emails throughout the week with myself and Rondé and the production guys, and uh, that's something we were wondering as well, if, if, if it was still bothering him a little bit. Um, you know, you, you see the big play, of course, Monday night, the 65-yard reception, and those other five receptions, the only games, a total of two yards. You know, that's something that we also saw last year, where he would have a one-yard run, a negative run, you know, a run for no game, and then all of a sudden – He'd go for 77. So um, it's it's somewhat consistent with what we saw last year, but um, I think it's certainly a topic of discussion whether the injury is still a factor. I know when it, when it first happened in Tampa, they announced what four to eight weeks, and he winds up coming back in four weeks. So uh, you know you have to give him credit for wanting to be out there with his team, and he's obviously becoming a team leader at such a young age. And year number two, I love watching him play. We've been fortunate to worked so many of his games, including the opener against Jacksonville last year when he scored his first touchdown. So uh, we'll see what he has in store against his his, uh, former favorite team. He grew up a big Jets fan, so (laughs) I guess to play against them for the first time in the regular season this week. Have you been able to sit down with with Saquon much the last couple of years? Because that's another guy, if you build a football player up from scratch, you know, physically, head up, he he just seems like that type of prototype you want to have as a leader on your football team. So impressive. Uh, we sat down three or four times last year. I think only once here, but um, really mature beyond his years. And a pleasure to talk to. And um, you know, you could tell why why Dave Gettleman loved him and, and why they drafted him last year. But um, of, of you know all the athletes that you and I have sat down with years, he's right up there in the top two or three as far as the maturity level and just a pleasure to talk to every time you're around him. And it seems like he hasn't gotten a lot of help from the offensive line the last couple of weeks. 12 carries, 24 yards against Dallas. Uh, Daniel Jones has been under more pressure than he ha- was earlier in the year the last couple of weeks. And now, who knows if John Halapio, the Giants starting center, is going to play. Coach Schirmer said today it looks like it might be a little while before he gets back. Uh, what have you seen You know, f- from seeing the Giants early in the year till now, Kenny? Has the offensive line been a little bit shakier the last couple of weeks, in your opinion? Well, I had the Arizona game where they gave up the eight sacks. That's right. Um, and I know four four of them were late, so when the Giants were down and they were obvious plays. But, yeah, they've probably taken a little bit of a dip since the early portion of the season. I thought they certainly improved by bringing in uh, the two guys on the right side and uh, Hernandez coming back in his second season, Jalapio healthy, and, uh, Nate Solder back for his second year as well. But, yeah, the Arizona game was was a tough one, and, and the Jets have had similar issues. They've allowed 37 sacks. They've had guys in and out of the lineup on the offensive line and really all over their roster. The one thing about the Giants, you talk about consistency, they're one of the few teams that have had the same five starters on the offensive yeah. line every game this season. For sure. All right, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball, Kenny, because I think as much as people talk about Barkley and Jones and, you know, the weapons have been in and out with Ingram, you know, he might not play this week now. Shepard with the concussion, Tate with the suspension. They haven't all been together. That's great. But if you really want to pinpoint the issues on on this Giants team, and you've seen it in the games you've done, whenever this defense seems to need to make a stop in a crucial spot, they just seem to have a lot of trouble getting off the field. Absolutely, and I think the, the big plays, you know, the 20-plus yard plays have been an issue. Uh, you know, I think we've certainly seen stretches where 
where the defense has played well, but then they give up that big play and they can't get off the field. Like you said, um, you know, I think the Buchanan addition was positive, having watched him over the last couple of years in Arizona, obviously familiar with uh, James Betcher's system. Uh, so many youngsters on the defensive side still learning. And, you know, we've seen DeAndre Baker go through his ups and downs and, and Dexter Lawrence. Well, I really like Connolly early in the season, Ryan Connolly. Yeah, me too. He suffered the injury, so um, you know I think you have to you have to feel for what what, what this team has gone through this year with uh, trying to incorporate so many youngsters into the lineup, and then at the quarterback position after uh, the first two weeks, I personally thought they'd probably have a few more wins by this point, and I think uh, on the Jets side as well, you know they they were stung by the the Darnold situation with Mono. You know, who knows if that's still affecting him. Um, he misses the three games, and, um, you know, certainly by not being on the field, not practicing with his team for that, that three- or four-week stretch was, was certainly uh, a killer for the Jets. Who have you had exposure to one-on-one in, in your interview sessions on the Giants' defense this year? Have you talked to Betcher? Have you talked to Shermer? Who on defense? And, and what have been some of your impressions and, and little nuggets you guys have gleamed from some of those conversations on those Friday and Saturday media sessions? Yeah, we spoke to Betcher, um, you know, before all three games. I, I love Marcus Golden. We sat down with him uh, prior to the Detroit game and then, or the Arizona game, I should say, and talked to him again uh, before the Detroit game. Such a positive attitude, great guy to talk to. Um, you know, grew up in St. Louis. He was a big Rams fan, loved Marshall Falk. He was actually a running back as a youngster. and uh, The Rams were his team. And uh, I don't know how much time you've spent around him so far this year. Yeah, great but, dude. Uh, he, he was one of our favorite guys to meet with so far this season around the league. What are some of the things Betcher told you guys when you've asked him about some of the struggles, things they need to clean up, things they need to fix? Boy, I'd have to go back and check the notes. <laughs> I don't have it all in front of me. But uh, he's always, you know, very, very forthcoming and, and a guy that we spoke to when he was out in Arizona working with uh, working with the Cardinals. So uh, I'd have to go back and check the notes for specifics on that. Yep. But uh, we'll be meeting with him again this Saturday prior to the Jets game. All right, let, let's talk about the Jets, Kenny. I, I know you haven't um, seen them as much as the Giants. Obviously, you work with Fox, who, who does primarily NFC games, so you're getting more AFC games than maybe you had in the past. Uh, what's your overall impression of the Jets, where they are, and, and what some of the challenges are going to be for the Giants when they play them on Sunday? Boy, it's been a tough year. You know, we mentioned earlier, John, the Darnold situation and uh, such high hopes heading into year two with a new head coach at the Gaze and bringing in Le'Veon Bell, and, and you know now he's not 100% healthy. So uh, things have just spiraled downhill for the Jets. But uh, you're right, I haven't seen them in person. You know, I've seen a lot of their games on TV. and uh, We'll head into their facility tomorrow and meet with some of the coaches and players. Uh, Greg Williams is always very entertaining. We've got him <laughs> with a number of teams through the years, and he's always one of our favorite guys to meet with. But the thing that really sticks out is when you look at their – uh, participation chart, as they call it, over the first eight weeks, which every team puts out. It's just crazy, the number of different starters and uh, transactions the Jets have had to make, you know, guys that have only played in two or three games and guys who weren't even on the roster three or four weeks ago. So, um, you know, that that's kind of the thing that sticks out uh, to me when looking at the Jets as well as the uh, unfortunate situation with Darnold missing so much time. Well, just looking at their injury report yesterday, Kenny, I don't know if you have a chance to look at it, but I've never seen, I'm going to count them, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, it's great radio, I know, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 players either did not participate or limited, and then another 7 practiced in full. I've never seen 20 players listed on an injury report. 
I don't think in my 10 plus 13 years here with the Giants. That's ridiculous. No, it's, cra- it's crazy. I think I read somewhere last week they had 26 players listed one day <laughs> on, the, on the injury report. It's, it's half the team. It's, it's just crazy. It, it really is unbelievable. All right, I want to go around the league a little bit, Kenny. In NFC-wise, who do you think right now is the favorite? Because you can make an argument – uh, for the Packers, you can make an argument for you know maybe Dallas if you like them. Uh, the Vikings have played well. The 49ers obviously are undefeated. You still have the Rams. Uh, I think this is just going to be a really, really fun final eight weeks or so in the NFC and then in the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, I do too. I agree, John. Um, haven't seen Dallas or Green Bay in person yet. I will see the Packers in a couple of weeks. Uh, I was impressed by Minnesota. I had one of the a few weeks ago against Philadelphia and uh, the Vikings. That was right after the situation with Cousins and Thielen and Diggs, and they came out on fire in that game. So uh, enjoyed watching Minnesota. Out west, I, I think the Seahawks could be a dark. I had them last week, that great game, 40-34 in overtime over Tampa Bay. And You know, it's funny, you lose all the guys in the Legion of Boom, and uh, the Seahawks, you know, don't really miss a beat. You don't know a lot of the names on the defensive side, aside from Bobby Wagner. Russell Wilson, I think, is playing at an MVP level. Five touchdowns, no interceptions last week. He's thrown only one pick all season. He has some really talented young wide receivers. So I know they kind of get lost out there in the Pacific Northwest, but uh, they could be a bit of a dark horse. Um, haven't seen the Rams. Did see the 49ers week one against Tampa Bay. and You have to be really impressed with what they've been able to do. John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan right on down. So that West is uh, – you know, I don't know if a lot of people expected the West to be the best division in the NFC yeah. this year, but that's played out of the eight divisions in the league. They have the best cumulative record. Um, none of the quarterbacks have missed a game, have missed a in that division. It's the only division that uh, that you can say that about. So, um, you know, it's been a lot of traveling around, getting to watch different teams. Uh, but Seattle and Minnesota are the two that I've had in the last few weeks that that I was pretty impressed with and look forward to seeing the Packers in a couple of weeks as well. You know, it's funny you mentioned Russell Wilson, and I, and this drives me nuts how people like to equate quarterback play with team record because you go back and Russell Wilson early in his career is going to championship games, going to Super Bowls, winning Super Bowls, and he was a good quarterback, but not a great quarterback. That team had a great defense. They ran the ball out, Marshawn Lynch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now they lose all the guys on defense. I'm with you. I think Russell Wilson is playing as well as any quarterback in the league. He's just a hell of a passer now. He's so accurate. He's great. But maybe the team isn't as good, so the record's not as good. And I just think sometimes people, and Russell Wilson's a good example, at least in my opinion, where they say, all right, record bad, quarterback bad. Oh, record good, quarterback great. And I think people miss out, and, and you probably hear this from coaches all the time, how much of a team sport this is and how if just one player on either side of the ball does something wrong, you can short-circuit the whole deal. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you look at what Russell's done over his career, eight years, the body of work, the numbers are just incredible. Um, he's won a Super Bowl, he's played in two, he's gone to Pro Bowls, and again, I think playing up in the Pacific Northwest, you know, although you can pretty much watch every game on TV these days, they do get kind of lost in the shuffle, but... Um, it was a lot of fun up there last week. They, they fell behind 21-7, wound up coming back, missed a potential game-winning field goal at the end of the fourth quarter, and win the game in overtime 40-34. Just a couple of bigger league issues. What have you been hearing from teams and coaches when we meet with them about the whole deal with pass interference replay, how they're approaching it, and, and kind of what everyone's reaction is to how that's gone this year? Yeah, I think, you know, as we've gone along, uh, 
you know, it just it's become obvious that a lot of those aren't not going to be overturned. Um, and we've seen it with the Giants. You know, there, there was one, and and I'd have to you know go back and look at the exact scenarios. Both the Arizona and Detroit games. Yep. Uh, there was one that that Pat challenged that some people thought maybe he shouldn't have at that time. The other one was the opposite, where you thought maybe he should have challenged it when he didn't. But and I know he's over six, and you know, all the numbers have been well documented. But you know, I think unless it's really a game-changing call, um, you know, a really obvious um, miss by the officials, it just seems like they're not going to drop the flag. And you know, I think it's only been five or six uh, over the course of the entire season where they have changed the call. Yeah, and we finally had an overturn last weekend in the Steelers game, but it was on a booth review. I don't believe we've had a coach's challenge overturn a pass interference since week three on a Zach Ertz play, if I remember right. But you're right, I think at some point, you know, you have to wonder, are they going to change their approach to this when they get to the postseason? Will they change their approach? Is it going to remain, you know, as long as it's not a game-changing, most obvious call in the world thing? And, And, you know, it's really a tough spot for coaches because at some point you have to keep doing this to see if their approach is at some point going to change back in New York. Right, totally agree. It's it's really tough, and... You know, it's like the old adage, you could probably call a holding penalty in every play. Well, two different sets of eyes are going to see different things on potential pass interference call. You might look at it where it should have been pass interference, and I'll look at it the other way. So a lot of it's still judgment, even when it goes to review. Uh, when it goes to New York and Al Riveron and his staff, uh, they they might not call it the way that uh, 10 other coaches who look at it think it would be called. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, when you talk to these coaches, one thing I think we've seen shift in the league, Kenny, is the use of analytics. And I think we're seeing it a lot on teams' decisions whether or not to go for it on fourth down. When you talk to some of these coaches and teams and even maybe players about how much some of these advanced analytics and how that impacts their decision-making over the game, are you seeing a bigger impact throughout the league that those types of numbers are having on coaches' decisions over the course of these games? You know, it's funny. I had this discussion with somebody recently with regard to some of the other sports where analytics have really progressed over the last few years, whether hockey, baseball, basketball. I think football is the one sport where it's kind of been around forever because, you know, when I started doing this 25 years ago, you'd hear about these coaches working 20-hour days, watching film, you know, charting every third and 14 play. And, you know, now with technology, you know, they can call up every second and 12. And, uh, they know what they're going to do on those plays. So I think football has probably been around longer than the other sports. Um, you know, because of the amount of time that the coaches and the assistants put in. But, uh, you know, they've been charting this stuff for a long time. Uh, they probably are using it more, these days, especially with, with the uh, extra point getting moved back a few years ago yeah. and the, and the uh, introduction of the two-point play, the two-point conversion. So in those situations, it's certainly used a lot more than it was in the past. All right, Kenny, final question. You grew up in around New York. Uh, you went to college at NYU much like I did. And you know what Monday mornings are like here after football games. Give me a feel for what you think the reaction is going to be in this town on Monday morning in terms of the result of this game, depending on which team wins, and just what you think the reaction is going to be on Monday after this game between the Giants and Jets. Well, you'll have the the fans of the winning team. They'll be pretty happy on Monday morning. uh, Whichever team loses, uh, it's it's going to be a tough week. Um, It's obviously for bragging rights uh, at this point. You know, barring a miracle, neither team's making the playoffs. And I've been fortunate enough to work the last two uh, Giants games that have been on Fox, 2003 and 2011. Now this year, uh, they play every four years. They're only on Fox every eight years. And 
both memorable games. The 2003 game nearly finished in a tie. Uh, it came down to a field goal with four seconds left, Brett Conway. And then uh, 2011 was the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown, which obviously catapulted the Giants into the playoffs. So although this one won't have as much meaning standings-wise, um, hopefully it's a good game. You know, there's been so much negative talk surrounding both teams, uh, w- you know, in the media and with the fans this year in particular over the last couple of weeks. So um, hopefully it's an entertaining game and uh, you have two young quarterbacks going at it and, you know, maybe they're not where – the fans hope they would be at this point, both guys. But, um, you know, with Jones getting off to a good start, winning the first two and now losing five in a row and Darnold going through uh, what he's gone through. But keep in mind, Troy Aikman was 0-11 his rookie season. Peyton Manning, 3-13. I'm not saying these guys are going to become Aikman or Manning, but uh, it did turn around pretty quickly with those guys. With, with young quarterbacks, it takes time, experience, and hopefully they both have good games on Sunday. Kenny Albert asking for patience from sports fans. You heard it here first, first <laughs> folks. <laughs> Kenny, awesome stuff, man. I really appreciate the time today. Uh, and I'll see you on Sunday. Look forward to seeing you at MetLife. Thanks, John. Anytime. Look forward to it. That's Kenny Albert. You've seen him everywhere. Mostly on Fox. But you've also seen him on MSG. You've also heard him on the radio doing Rangers games. And boxing as well, which I did not know about. So, Kenny with a lot on his plate, but he'll be doing Giants and Jets on Fox on Sunday at 1 o'clock. Thank you for being with us on this week's episode of the John Settle Podcast. For Kenny Albert, I am John Schmelk. To remind you, you can find this podcast on Giants.com, the Giants mobile app, but also on all your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe, make us part of your feed, and if you like what you hear, leave a positive review if you're on Apple Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Adios.